Hey, we're, we're about halfway through, or we're, we're maybe even over halfway through our summertime, so uh, how's it going? Everybody taking a breath and, and enjoying. I know some of you have been gone and just coming back. We know some are gone today. That's just part of our summertime. Uh, past two weeks, you know, the, uh, a couple Sundays ago, we were at the park worshiping, and, and I saw a number of you there. So glad that you took that in. Uh, God provided air conditioning on that day. <laughs> Sometimes we're out there and it's it's really hot, but uh, man, it was just uh, just a great temperatures and and man, the crowd that was there. It was so good to worship with so many people in this community who believe that Jesus is the Christ and hold Him as their Savior. So that was something to worship and to, and just praise God for. Last week, Brad Fogo was here. If you if you weren't here or if you're new to us, uh, Brad Fogo is the uh, director of the CEA, that's the Christian Evangelizing Association. He probably said all those things. I watched the, the whole video, but it went you know blank for a little bit of time sound-wise. And uh, uh, CEA is, I mean, did anybody catch the significance of having Brad Fogo, who is the director of the Christian Evangelizing Association, come and preach in the midst of us going through this book of Acts? Did anybody catch that significance? You know what CEA does? They plant churches. They plant churches. And in this book of Acts, we're talking about, you know, the the taking root, the church in its beginnings. And especially where we are right now. uh, Here in chapter 7, we we watched uh, Stephen uh, became that first martyr. And it's all because he preached Jesus, went through the Gospels, or went through the Old Testament, and directed everybody's attention towards Jesus, and then was accused of blasphemy and was, was killed. All that started this persecution. And in that persecution, there in Jerusalem, what did it do? Something very, God, God took something ugly and terrible and made something wonderful out of it. He, he uh, scattered the church, scattered the church. And that, the reason that's wonderful is because now this gospel is being spread beyond Jerusalem. It's going out exactly what God said that they were to do. So as we get into chapter 8, uh, matter of fact, our text is uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through, uh, excuse me, 9 through 24. A lot of verses, but, but I, I think you're going to enjoy this story. Maybe it's one that you know, uh, but there's some, some important things to learn uh, from this passage. Uh, right before, just to bring us up to date, we've talked about, okay, there's persecution broke out in the church. It was pretty intense as well. Uh, it's it said that Simon, no, Simon, Saul... Saul had, had begun this persecution, and he's going house to house. That's intense persecution. It's not just if you're out in the street talking about Jesus. He went house to house and was arresting anyone who was accepting the, this message from Peter and John or from the apostles, this gospel message. And so he was arresting them. That's why there was a lot of people who were scattering. Uh, and, 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 and Simon, no, not Simon, Philip is one of them. If we go ahead and read on in 8, Philip is one who, who Luke decides in, in writing out this book of Acts to follow Luke, or follow uh, uh, Philip, excuse me, to follow Philip uh, in, in the direction he's going in. 
Philip is, is the, uh, another one of those deacons that was selected back in Acts chapter 6. If you want to see that again, just begin reading uh, chapter 6. Uh, uh, Stephen was actually the first one listed uh, of someone who's going to serve tables. And, and Philip was the second one listed. Now he's being brought up, and we're going to follow Philip as he goes into Samaria. Uh, previous to verse 9, which we're reading today, it says that, that uh, Philip goes into Samaria, and he is, he is bringing this message of Jesus. He, he's talking about the Christ or the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And along with that, he's casting out demons, and he's healing the lame, and, and those uh, with, who are paralyzed. And, and, and the last phrase in verse 8 before we take this up is that there was great joy in the city. So Philip is bringing a message of great joy and it's beginning to reflect in this area of Samaria uh, that great joy is, by, uh, is being received. All right. Acts chapter 8, 9 through 24. We're going to read this. I'm going to take a pause in just a couple of places uh, to, to make some comments. But as we get to the end, uh, there's an end portion of this that we really are going to focus our attention on. But all the whole story is very important. So let's begin in verse 9. The whole story is about this guy named Simon. Verse 9 says, But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is, is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. There's just a few things I want to point out just quickly uh, at the beginning. So this is still continued great things. A city of great joy, and now here comes uh, Simon. He's a celebrity. I, at least that's, you know, in today's standards, and we know what this word celebrity means. It really looks like a Simon is a celebrity. Um, he, he, he is practicing magic. Matter of fact, he's been practicing it a while, and he's adding to uh, new tricks and things. When, when you think about magic, it is sleight of hand. It is things that, that, that there's some trickery going on that, that he, is, he is catching their attention and he is amazing them with some things that are not even compared to what we've been seeing taking place in this book of Acts. But the, he had the attention of the people. He himself called himself someone great. But he had substantial evidence because everybody else thought he was great as well because of the things he was doing. This magic could have even been uh, included in some cultic practices, some incantations, and, and not just stage work, but maybe he was around the people and, and maybe they were bringing certain things. Hey, could you take care of this? I have this ailment or this sickness. Could you? And so they would go to him for those things as well. They... they because, yeah, hey, this is the power of God, right? 
And, and therefore, he was amazing. And, and like I say, he had this celebrity. We love it when a celebrity, is that right? When we see a celebrity stand up on stage and receive their reward, and they talk about, oh, I just first want to praise God. Disappointing when they kind of show their life on the other part, the fruit of their life. Uh, but, but we get excited when we hear about a celebrity, maybe an athlete or someone that everybody knows who, who comes to believe in Jesus. And there's good reason. I would love for celebrities to come and know Jesus as well. But here, Simon is kind of a focus in this story uh, because of his status amongst the people. Now, verses 14 through 17. Oh, I do want to point this out too. This is kind of significant. Here, here we see two, actually the word amazed brought up three times in what I just read. Hey, the people were amazed by him. Uh, in in verse, verse 11, it says, And for a long time he amazed them with his magic. But in, in verse 13, uh, we see that he is converted. He is, he is converted of his sinfulness. He, it says that he believed and he is baptized. And he's following after Philip. And the last part of that, he says, And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. He was amazed. So if, if Simon's doing all these miraculous things and amazing people, and he's amazed, then he is seeing something very special, something very significant that's coming from the Holy Spirit, uh, from Philip, and, and, and what work that he is doing. Let's go on, verses 14 through 17. Verse 14 says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, and came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is really significant in the midst of the story. It, it adds to the story, but I don't, wanna, I don't want you to miss this. What's happening here? Uh, we don't see in any, any previous passage talking about the, the laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit. So what's going on here with, with Peter and John come? And, and actually, they're sent because they want to verify that, hey, the Samaritans are not only hearing this message from Philip, but they are receiving the message of God. Now, the significance of this is the Jews have, have man, they have this brand new message in Jerusalem. Now it's spreading, and it's going to this area of Samaritans. You know, you know the, the conflict between Samaritans and Jews? There, there, is a, there is a wall between them. There is prejudice here between the Samaritans and, and, and the Jews. The Jews, they are the chosen people, right? And the Samaritans, they are, they are not. They are con considered amongst the Jews, they are just dogs, and so there, there is this wall that stands between them. Therefore, you see Peter and John coming. It seems like they already know what they need to do. They come and they begin to pray for them to have the Holy Spirit, recognizing they haven't had the Holy Spirit yet. And, and they laid their hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. When they received the Holy Spirit, there's some evidence, some it doesn't describe what it is, but I will call it, it it's like the Samaritans had their own day of Pentecost. 
Uh, quite possibly it might have been the speaking in tongues we see on the day of Pentecost uh, it, it could have been uh, extolling God in various ways but, but there was an outward evidence of the Holy Spirit's present uh, within the Samaritans and what does that do? that breaks down the wall do you, do you see that brings them to that equal place it was important for Peter and John to witness this that, that they were a part of, we're going to lay hands on. And it was also important for the Samaritans to have these Jewish men come as apostles and lay their hands on them to, to, uh, to give them the Holy Spirit. That, that breaks down. Well, that whole incident just breaks down. Why? Why did God wait in, in giving them the Holy Spirit? I think it has everything to do with breaking down that barrier. Now, now they're equals. Before God, no longer any barrier. And, and Simon is witnessing this whole thing. So let's, let's, look, uh, let's look on it and pick up the story again where Simon is in verse 18. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Here's a check. Saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right with God. Remember that. Your heart is not right with God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray uh, to the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Oh, Simon. Listen, as, as we look at this passage today and consider the, the actions of Simon I just want to say, not every action will bring about salvation. Not every action is going to bring about salvation. It's not, the, you know, not every hand lifted is going to bring about salvation. Not everyone who follows someone in prayer is going to bring about salvation. And even in Simon's case, who believed and was baptized, does that bring about salvation? It's important for us to see, and, and so there's some, especially when I say that, there's some, some important things to look at Simon and to consider this morning. So I think there's some lessons for us to learn. And the first lesson is really simple. You can never purchase the gift of God. <laughs> I mean, his first request is, hey, can I have that? Here's a check, or Here, here's some silver. Can I purchase that gift from you? And he was he was reprimanded uh, uh, by, by Peter. You know, it, it just, just think about it for a moment. Isn't it an insult to, to think that you could offer anything that you would have or own and get something from God? Why? Why would that be an insult? <laughs> because God's created it all. God... What, what is it that you have to offer to God that he's going to sense and say, hey, I'll give you my home, I'll give you everything that I have. What's he going to do? 
it means nothing to him. That's nothing of value. The only thing you have that he really truly desires is you. So you can't write a check. Matter, again, I say, I think that's an insult. And matter of fact, the apostles condemned even the thought of this. Now, later on, there are some leadership that, that saw, man, some advantage in repentance and people wanting salvation. So we'll put some dollar signs on this. And, and, and so that, that actually uh, identified a name in the church called Simony or Simony, S-I-M-O-N-Y. And it was this idea where I could purchase some, some kind of, well, I could purchase my salvation. No. Or I could purchase some gift from God or some office. And they called, it's been labeled as the sin of simony. Now, Simon wanted the ability to pass on the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. He witnessed this happening. He witnessed Peter and John laying his hands upon these Samaritans and they receiving the Holy Spirit. And then you know, some amazing, you know, that outward amazing appearance, he witnessed that. And, and uh, he just wanted to, to have a piece of that. You know, his line of work was magician, a celebrity. He valued his position. He loved what he was doing, I think. He, obviously, because early on he says, hey, I'm someone great. He said that about himself. And now it comes to the point where, you know, even earlier it says that he continued to follow after Philip. Is that because he wanted to know more about Jesus? In Acts chapter 2, I mean, they went to continue to study all the things the apostles had said and study the scriptures. Is that what Philip was doing? And then he goes right to, and he was amazed by all the miracles and wonders that he was performing. He was amazed. So where do you think his attention was focused upon? I think he was distracted. He was absolutely, at best we could say he was distracted. He continued, uh, maybe, maybe he th had this idea to continue to add to his profession. I'm going to add to my profession. Look, the, this is amazing things that I'm seeing. I want to be a part of that. That was his request. I, th I think it's important to say before we move on to the next part, in case we don't know the fact that you can't offer God money for his favor, is that no, might, no amount of financial giving is going to, to, to give you God's favor or his gifts or his salvation. No amount of, and I'm going to address the fact that we have giving in the church, but that is a result of what God has given, right? That is a result of what God has given, not in order for us to attain his favor. So I, I want you to check your hearts as you give. Am I giving in order to attain God's favor? You need to ask yourself that question. Or am I, am I giving because of what God has done for me and because I'm committed to him and, 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 and you know, I want to give towards his kingdom? Is that, is that your idea? Just, just give you an opportunity to, to check that this morning. The second lesson that we need to learn, I think this is really a, a key part of what we learn overall uh, from Simon, and it's this truth. The objective of the gospel, the, object, the objective of Jesus and his coming into this world is to transform your heart. 
the, the absolute reason Jesus came is to change you. Change your heart. Now, Simon, in the passage, Peter identified your heart is not right with God. He, he said, your heart is not right. Now, wait a minute. Let's go back to 13. If we're looking at verse 13, what does he say? And 13 says, well, he believed and he was baptized. Isn't, isn't that part of the process? What is Simon's problem? What is part of, what, what is, you know, Simon's problem? Uh, I, I do think about, I heard a list and have heard a list, been in the church a long time. I remember this five finger thing that we do. This is part of the process. You believe, I don't know whether I keep the other finger up. You believe, uh, you confess with your lips that Jesus is the Christ, that you recognize him as the Messiah. You repent, you're baptized, and then you, all that's left is you grow and you mature in Christ. How many have heard that before? Or at least seen that list. Have you seen that list? Oh, here's the to-do list of coming into Jesus. Here's the to-do list of coming into Jesus. Now, there, there is a, an important part of that, that especially you look back in Acts chapter 2, that the people who asked, well, what do we need to do? It was they had hearts that were cut. That mean they felt heavy their sinfulness. And, and so they move towards that. Peter's condemning, you know, Peter, Peter absolutely had condemning statements, though, over Simon. Even though he, he went through part of this process, he says uh, in, in verse 21, he says, you have, neither no part, you have neither part nor lot in this matter. What's he talking about? Well, okay, he's wanting the imparting of the Holy Spirit. You have no part in the Holy Spirit. You have no part in the Holy Spirit. And the, and the statement at the end identifies why. is because your heart is not right with God, which means you don't even have part of the gospel. You don't even have part of identifying with Christ. This identity with Christ. And, and, and then, you know, verse 23 also adds to that. What does it mean you don't have a heart that's right with Christ or with God? He says, you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Simon is still in the bond of his sinfulness. He is still trapped in his condemnation because of his sinfulness. His sins are not forgiven. His sins have not been washed away. He Everything that Peter says makes it sound like he has made no decision for Jesus at all. He's made no decision for Jesus at all. We need to understand the result of a genuine response before God in receiving Christ is a changed or transformed heart, a different heart, a different life. That's why Jesus came, is to change us. Peter directs Simon then to do what? Repent. Repent. I, I want you to know this morning, especially in this passage, repentance is absolutely important, absolutely essential for Simon to become right with God, to get that right with that right heart with God. And that's in verse 22. Now, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's either, you know, some will notice that in verse 13, it just says, well, he believed and he was baptized. We've seen that before. Is it, is it that, that Philip missed, oh man, did Philip screw up and, and fail to tell them about, hey, this is your sinfulness, you need to repent? 
that's, that's possible. We just don't know. Or, or maybe he, he gave this reason for Jesus coming and it's because of your sinfulness and that in the process of watching everybody, he just joined in and had no idea to be a part of repentance. And he might even said some words about repentance. That's possible. It's possible that may, he acted out some sense of repentance and yet he still held on to his self-centeredness. Uh, Simon held on to his own direction, his own way. There's a problem with that. He continued in his own worldliness, his desire to add to his profession. It wasn't, hey, I'm going to give up my profession. It wasn't, I'm going to give up the things of sinfulness in my life, and now I'm going to walk after Jesus because that's what repentance is. Listen, the final lesson is very much focused upon that. It is possible to fail in repentance. I want to focus on that word repentance. It is, it is possible to go through motions and, and to do things and follow the crowd and, and have responses and, and even go through the biblical list and fail at repenting. There's some elements in repentance that are very important. Repentance actually fails if we don't recognize our fallen state, our sinfulness. Uh, to, to, yeah, if you don't have any idea or just, uh, if you don't have any idea that, that, that it, is, it is a difficult thing to even think about standing before a holy God, there's a problem. I, I still today uh, find myself when I pray feeling like I ought to be on my face. Does that make sense? I ought, to be, I ought to be at least on my knees or, or, or start prostrated before him because I know who I am. And I know the things that I would, oh man, I would be so ashamed to admit to you because I know my sinfulness. I would be so uh, ashamed to, to describe the things throughout my life that are sinful that I know I deserve God's con condemnation. I know those things. And then for me to think that I could stand before a holy God, that I would even be ashamed to tell you of my sinfulness? Are you there? Do you understand that? I don't want you to know my sin. I, I will tell you that I am a sinner and that I have received forgiveness through the precious blood of Jesus. You see, there, there, is, that, there is that place of recognition that brings me to that place of worship of just praising God because he delivered his son as a savior to us. And in within us, there comes that indwelling of his spirit called Holy Spirit within us. So in this process of repentance, matter of fact, in the dictionary, it says, in its fullness, fullest sense, it is a term for a complete change of orientation involving a judgment upon the past, which is my sinfulness, and a deliberate redirection for the future. Okay, I, I know my past, and it is, it is ugly. It is, it is full of sinfulness and, and things that are offensive before God. The, the, my own actions offensive before God. But through Christ, what God has done in sending Christ, he has given me that cleansing that forgives me of my sinfulness. And now, what, what do I do? In that repentance, my determination now is to live that righteousness. Are you with me? 
Are, are you tracking? And it, it is now no longer to live the way I was in that sinfulness, but to live my new identity as a child of God and a person of the kingdom. And it's in righteousness and it's pursuit of his holiness. That, that's the continued part of my life today. Pursuing righteousness and holiness. And, and there's something about repentance I think so important. Matter of fact, in studying this, I, I, I turn to uh, Martin Luther's 95 Thesis. You know, the 95 Thesis he tacked to the Wittenberg door. Number one. Number one says this. A lot of these are, are, have ties in with, with that repentance and that grace that's working. But in number one, it says, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, he called for the entire life of believers to be want of repentance. Did you hear that? He called for the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Repentance, I, I, I thought this so, and I see this working in my life as well, that repentance is that, okay, I took care of this item on my list. I'm done with repentance. I don't have to do that anymore, and I move on. Now I'm going to grow. Now, as long as I continue to live in this body of flesh, it is continued repentance for me. It has just been, every time I, like I said, every time I come before God, I'm coming before a holy God and I'm amazed and, and I have to add as part of my prayers, God, I am absolutely dependent upon Jesus as I approach you today. Without Jesus, there is no Ronnie Roberts coming before a mighty God, mighty holy God, right? Are you with me on that? Without Jesus, I have no words to express to God for you to hear. I have nothing to speak. I have, I, how can I lay down my request? Because I don't have, without Jesus, I don't have a right heart. In Jesus, my heart is right before him. In Christ, my heart is right before him. And in order to walk in Jesus, repentance is a part of your life. Repentance is a part of your life. It's coming humbly before God and knowing him and loving him. Now, nothing is more is really written about Simon. There's, there's not much else that's, that's said him in the scriptures. But if we look to like Josephus, who's a historian, and, and, or, or others, you know, church fathers like Jerome or Eusebius, uh, they have written particular things about Simon that if we listen to him, Simon didn't make that repentance. Matter of fact, we look here, he's, he looks to Peter and John as kind of like a, an adversary. Hey, advocate for me. He didn't move to repentance, but that's all we know. He could have still moved to repentance. But in the words that are written by him, or about him, the thought is he continued in his wickedness. And, and then what he did was he took some, some facts or some details about the gospel and, and some, some things that men were thinking and coming up with, and he combined them together, and it, it brought up, um, oh, good grief. Uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm getting old. Uh, Gnosticism. Boy, it just escaped me. And, and, and it's it said that he was, he was one of those who began Gnosticism, which was a, a thorn in the church. It was false teaching that continued to spread through the church. And it caused, as Jesus said in the scripture, it caused many to fall away. That was Simon. I don't know. I think it's important for us to look and say, hey, listen. 
we need to understand there, there is a purpose and objective that God has get, sent Jesus. There's a purpose and objective why he tells us to repent in order for us to receive Jesus and to live that life that's going to be honoring of God. Then, then we need to, to have our hearts transformed through what Jesus did for us, through that action of repentance through believing in Jesus. Those details are laid out for us, but it is not a list to complete just so we could get this done. You know what I'm saying? It is to live a life that is going to be ordained and, and actually follow over that one commandment that stands in the Old Testament as well as the new. You know what I'm talking about? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you're doing that well. Hope you're doing that well. Listen, here's the lessons I, I think we learn uh, from, from Simon today, just to remind you. You know, you cannot purchase. You cannot purchase God's favor. You cannot purchase his salvation nor his gifts. It, it really is. Ultimately, it's just an insult to think that you would be able to do that. Uh, the objective. Remember this. The objective of all that Jesus came to do and, and, and the gospel message is to transform your heart is to change you from from the sinner uh, from the the con condemned person that you are to being someone who belongs to his family who is living and pursuing that righteousness and holiness and it is also uh, important to say know the very significance of that repentance that we're called to to turn to him and when we're failing when our flesh is is pulling in the wrong direction God is good that we could come to him in repentance and be forgiven of our sins and be redirected on that straight path. Don't neglect that repentance in your life. Let me give you a question as we conclude. It's, it's, it's a question that we develop from this. Is your heart right with God? Today, is your heart right with God? We're going we're gonna to enter into a time of communion. This is our celebration time. We're celebrating what Jesus did. Without Jesus upon the cross, let's just admit it. We have no forgiveness. If Jesus didn't die on the cross, you'd have to depend on your goodness and doing it all right. Already we think, man, I'm already fried because look at my life. You know, I've not led it very well, you know. But at this point, we know it is because of Jesus that we have salvation. We get to celebrate him. If you have your uh, communion with you this morning, let's go ahead and, and remove that top and, and prepare to take the bread. Jesus, uh, Jesus established this for us. And, and he said he wants us to do this to remember. Why? Why is it that we need to remember? We want to remember that he is the reason for our salvation. He is the reason for our salvation. That uh, there is uh, no other way to be right or have right hearts before God except through Jesus. That's why we need to remember. It's not us being good people all the time. It's, it's, it's not about uh, certain words or certain things we do. It really is about what Jesus has done for us. So let's partake. Let's take this bread. And this represents his body. And then the cup represents the blood. Let's partake of the bread and remember Jesus, what he did upon the cross.
And then again, that blood that represents this new covenant that absolutely states that we are God's people. We thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to, Lord, to see your word. We know this to be true. Jesus is our salvation, our trust, our faith, our confidence is based upon that truth. Father, we pray that you examine our hearts today. Is our, are, are our hearts right before you? Consider each one of us today. Lord, lead us through your spirit to do some repenting if needed. Lead us back to that place of walking in righteousness and pursuing that holiness that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name.